0: Well, you already know where we're going today. It's in the book of Acts chapter 15. And what we're talking about is where we left off last week with distractions, disputes, and disruptions. And how do we handle those not only with grace, but how do we handle those through grace? And so, Jeff, I think you set a great example this morning of handling that disruption I brought and handling it through grace and, and, and allowing me to interrupt and interject and intervene in the midst of the service to read the word of god which i know you wouldn't stop that but you handled it very very well you reminded me though of the guy that posted on social media earlier that he was happily married celebrating his anniversary and happily married uh, for seven years and his 18 year old daughter gets on social media and says but dad you've been married 20 years and he responds back ah yes but happily only seven I'm so glad that's not your testimony, and I'm so glad that you've been happily married all those years and that you were able to celebrate it and celebrate the salvation that God has given you because I guarantee you in this man's life and in your lives, there's been many distractions in the midst of your salvation. There's been many disruptions and many disputes. We're going through a season of that right now we're going through a time unparalleled probably in any of our lives we may have uh, been a world war ii veteran we may have been a vietnam veteran we may have lived through times that were difficult and challenging but this time is just different it is just different from the all the angles where all the assaults and all the attacks seem to be Uh, coming from and we never saw this coming so last week as we looked at how to be prepared for these opportunities I reminded us that most well every time When distractions, disputes, and disruptions come, they catch us unaware. We don't know where they're coming from. In the text, and certain men came down from Judea and taught the brethren unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. Therefore, when Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and dispute with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain others of them should go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and elders. Just a couple of things I want to bring out of that that I talked about last week at length. Let's go over it real quickly this week uh, Paul and Barnabas are there doing a ministry and, and they're simply teaching the salvation by grace in Jesus alone that's all they're doing they did not know that the next day there would be these people that would come from uh, come to Judea or from Judea and teach that you must be circumcised but yet there it was It's at their doorstep before they knew what was going on. Listen, in the Christian life, you don't know what tomorrow holds. In in the regular life, you don't know what tomorrow holds. But in the Christian life, there's a preparation we can make, and that's leaning hard into the Lord Jesus. That's walking closely and letting the Holy Spirit govern and guide our steps. So when you are expecting the unexpected and things catch you unaware, you don't have to be unprepared. They were prepared and they were ready for an answer. I do want to note something that in verse 2 they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain others of them should go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and elders about this question. They brought that delegation of those preaching circumcision with them and they had to travel that whole trip together to go and talk to the elders in Jerusalem. So they had an answer, and that answer was to be of one accord, to come into a congruence with our thoughts and our minds and our actions. And they said, let's go and talk to the church about it. And those teaching circumcisions submitted themselves to that, to go back to Jerusalem and talk to the church, because they also were of the church. They weren't trying to be destructive they weren't trying to be disruptive they weren't trying to create disputes they were of the church as well and they were teaching what they knew as well you see when when it comes to those things that sidetrack us we've got to be willing to let go of certain preconceived notions and thoughts we have when god speaks and that's what paul and barnabas was doing they were prepared to say hey Let's go back and let's let God speak through the church. And these men were willing to go with them on the way. So even though they were caught unaware, God gave them a plan of action. You see, Paul and Barnabas, number two, they knew what they believed and they knew why they believed it. They knew that they believed that Jesus is the only way of salvation, that it's not Jesus plus It's not Jesus plus circumcision. It's not Jesus plus baptism. It's not Jesus plus the King James only. It's not Jesus plus going to church every Sunday when the door is open. It's not Jesus plus going door to door. It's not Jesus plus. You see, your works of salvation are not works for salvation. They're works because of salvation. And when Jesus saves you, he gives you a new heart and a new mind. And those things that we walk ourselves under are things that we feel like will glorify God. And we do that because we... Just simply want to please daddy. We simply want to be a blessing to the one who sent his son to die for our sins. and and In verse 2, you see, there was no small dissension. And the reason there was no small dissension is because Paul and Barnabas knew what they believed, and they knew why they believed it. And and number 3, I said last week, you have to be willing to do what is necessary. And that includes that travel back to Jerusalem. That includes walking with brethren that you might not completely agree with in pursuit of the commonality of Christ and what it is that God would train and teach all of us with. You see, Paul and Barnabas were also willing to yield to the authority of the church. They were willing to yield to the counsel of those that they were walking unto. They weren't going to say, hey, we are going to be Uh, staunch and we are going to be unmovable in this no they were willing to say god what is it you have worked through the church to bring us to an accord with this and so they took the brethren and they traveled to receive that counsel can you imagine traveling with somebody that you have just disputed with you you say it happens every vacation but i'm talking about where you're trying to get the answers to to the biggest questions of eternity and you're traveling that whole time with those uh, that you've just disputed with over legitimately held beliefs uh, that you hold in love for God and and you do desire to do what's right and, and nobody wants to move but listen, in order for us to come to an orthodox and a solid standing of what scripture teaches everybody can't be right Every view and every doctrine and every theology under the sun can't be true. There's only truth. And everything outside of truth is not truth. There's only truth. And everything outside of truth is a lie. And so, so Paul and Barnabas wants to hammer down the truth. And they want it to be non-negotiable essentials when everything is done but they were willing to do what is necessary, including yield, yielding and traveling, in order to get to the bottom of this. And, and the third, fourth thing we looked at last week is not all others belong in your dispute. They're traveling with these guys, going back to Jerusalem, opposed to each other through the doctrine that's been presented. And, and in verse 3, you find, so being sent on their way by the church, they passed through Phoenicia and Samaria, describing the con- conversion of the Gentiles, and they caused great joy to all the brethren. Again, I'll reiterate, they didn't go to those churches along the way and say, can you believe what these guys were teaching back there? They didn't go to the churches along the way and say, hey, you know us. You know we're solid and we're sound, and and, and there's nobody as sharp in the tool shed as us. And these guys hold different thoughts than we do. Can you believe it? When they went back to the churches of Phoenicia and all along their way, they said, guess what, guys? People are being saved. Not only are people being saved, Gentiles are being saved. And the churches said salvation, glory to God, salvation, amazing grace, salvation. It caused joy in their hearts. It caused the celebration of the works of God. They did not talk about the dispute. They didn't bring others into the dispute with them. They talked about the great joy of the work of God. You get to verse 4 and 5, and that's where we pick up today. And when they had come to Jerusalem, they were received by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they reported all things that God had done with them. But some of the sect of the Pharisees who believed rose up saying, It is necessary. It is necessary. Paul, I can't believe you're saying this because it is necessary to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. You see, it wasn't just the ones that came down from Judea that thought this doctrine. There were those even in Jerusalem that held that doctrine. Why? Because that's what they were raised on. Because that's what their daddies knew. That's what their granddaddies knew. That's what their great granddaddies knew. Going all the way back to when God set aside a people for himself in Abraham. And circumcision became a sign of that covenant all of Israel had held that belief, not understanding completely yet that Jesus had fulfilled the whole law and now circumcision is not just outward but it's inward and it's circumcision of the heart where we're set apart now not by an outward sign but by an inward work of God where he fills us with the presence of the Holy Spirit. You see that's what should set you apart church is the fact that the Holy Spirit abides within you and he's cut you to the heart but oh he heals it he heals it by the by the anointing of oil uh, and he heals it by the presence of his power and that cut to the heart becomes a glory of god that you walk with from that point on i once was lost but now i'm found i was a sinner buried deep in shame but now i've been brought out of the grave you see the healing of jesus is a healing that changes your very walk in this world. But there were some that didn't know completely that Jesus had fulfilled all of the law. And they still held on to that, and it became a distraction and a dispute and a disruption continuing to grow, it seems, in the life of Paul and Barnabas, is that they're just ministering the gospel What happens in your families and with your friends? Do distractions and disputes come? Do disruptions take place in the very home that you call a safety zone? I joked about going on vacations, but you know, we take ourselves out of the normal ebb and flow of everyday life and we put ourselves through the rigors of that vacation that we go on and there's bound to be somebody that doesn't like something. If you've got children, you know that restaurants become a big upheaval when you stop i don't want to eat here but they got free kids meals but let me just remind you that no matter what programs you're going through, no matter what supermarkets you're walking the wrong way in, and no matter what homeowners associations you have to participate in or what sports programs you have to cheer on, or even in the church that you said in today, whenever those distractions and disputes and disruptions come in your life, whenever those problems rear their head, you have to understand that God is doing something in you. He's using that situation to change something in you. And God has placed them there for a purpose. God, why are you putting me through this? Do you not think that you're the, do not think that you're the first one to have asked that question? But do know that you can come to a resolve and then that's, God is doing something. You say, that's pretty cheap. That's pretty cheap just to say God is doing something. Let me ask you a question. What do you know about the sovereignty of God? Do you not know that God works all things together for good to those who love him? Who loves God? Well, the Christian does. To those who love him and are called. Who's called? The Christian is. According to his purpose. He works all things together for good to those who love him and to those who are called according to his purpose. Believer, there is nothing that God allows you to go through in this life or even puts you through in this life that he wastes. He redeems it all by his grace and for his glory. James chapter 1 verses 2 through 4 says this, My brethren, Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Knowing, look at that, knowing. James is trying to tell you something that you need to know, that you need to understand, that you need to tuck away in your heart and in your head. And remember, he says, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect. And complete, lacking in nothing. God don't want you to lack. Sometimes you say, God cut me some slack. He said, Nope. I don't want you to lack. I want you to grow stronger. And it's by the testing of your faith that strength is produced. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 through 7, we find this in this salvation you greatly greatly rejoice though now for a little while if need be you have been grieved by various trials that the genuineness what is genuineness you know what genuine is that's what they used to stamp on articles of clothing and and baseball mitts and different things to let you know this ain't no fake genuine listen christian god don't want you to be no fake He wants you to have the real faith, walking in the real way for the real glory of the real Lord. He wants you to be genuine and all that. That the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Do you want to be a genuine Christian? Then quit grumbling when you go through trials. Then quit complaining when you go through obstacles. When disputes and distractions and disruptions come in your life, quit saying, woe is me, and start saying, great is God. Because he's doing something. He's working a change in your life that, oh, by the way, you and I need. We can't get there on our own. It takes the work of God to change us for the glory of of God. And that's where I believe 1 Peter 3 as I talked about last week real briefly is getting us to this is always be prepared to give a defense to everyone who asks a reason for the hope. How are you going to know the reason for the hope unless you've been hopeless? And God pulled you out of this pit of despair. How are you going to know a reason for the hope unless loss has brought you to the brink of destruction? And God's grace has stood you back up. How are you going to know a reason for the hope if you've never been through anything worth counting? A trouble. A disruption or a distraction. A problem. That God says, I'll meet you on the other side. But not only does he meet you on the other side, he walks you through it. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear. For thou art with me he walks you through it my friends and you are included in that in everyone that he does shape for his glory distractions disputes and disruptions are simply some of the tools of life that form God's chisel to break away those parts of us that need to be broke away now I thought about bringing out a great illustration today I used to do that I think when your kids start getting bigger and you start getting busier, it's more difficult to bring them some of those things out. But I started to bring out a chisel today. And say, God, will use a chisel to shape some of you. And, and then have a hammer over here, but some of you need a hammer. I, I started to do that, but you get the picture. God shapes us and changes us for his glory. There's always that. But let me just understand with you today that there's always a resolution to distractions, disputes, and disruptions. There's always a resolution to distractions, disputes, and disruptions when you seek God's way. You said you already told us that resolution. God shaped. us. Yeah, I gave you the answer before the quiz got through. But let me walk through how the resolution looks coming from Scripture. Look at verse 6. Now the apostles and elders came together to consider the matter. The apostles and elders came together to consider the matter. Let me tell you what's involved in the resolution. Not just you. What's involved in the resolution is actually seeking counsel. It's actually coming to others that have walked further down the road. I talked about elders last week. It's actually coming to others that has walked closely with God and said, Hey, I'm going through this, and it's a difficulty. I'm going through this. It's a distraction. I'm going through this. It's a disruption. Hey, I'm going through this. I'm afraid if I don't turn the corner, it's going to be a destruction. What do I need to do or what do i need to learn whatever the question is you come and you come and yield yourself to counsel yield yourself to the counsel of the word read the word understand what god is teaching you but also don't alienate yourself from those that have walked further down the road make yourself willing to yield that's what paul and barnabas were were doing this is paul one of the smartest guys that ever walked the face Of this earth. And he said, No problem. We'll take it to counsel. And we'll yield ourselves to that. Not only did they yield themselves to counsel, but they took the time to consider the matter. Oh, we are so busy today, aren't we? We've got so. Many things pressing for our attention. We've got so many directions that we have to go. And and, and then when we get a moment of solitude, quite often we spend our times on things that aren't productive. We call it downtime. And everybody needs some downtime once in a while. But maybe we need to start exchanging some of that downtime for consideration time. And maybe we need to start spending time more concentrated in prayer and saying, God, I really want to see your hand working through this situation. What are you doing? What's going on? They took the time to allow themselves to come under the the elders and to come under the council and to listen, but they took the time to consider what was at stake. Whatever the difficulties in your life, disputes whatever the distractions whatever the disruptions whether it be health and god knows many of us have been concerned about that this year or whether it be relationships or whether it be finances or whether it's internal struggles that you're just trying to understand where you fit in to the world of god and your self-evaluation always seems to be coming up short perhaps it's time that you really consider what the word of god has to say about that and understand that yes your self-worth is there and that you are fearfully and wonderfully made that's one of the biggest struggles not only do non-christians but christians have i don't measure up well who's your measuring stick Most of what's presented to you in the world is fake, in case you didn't know that. Who's your measuring stick? Because ultimately it's God and if you would believe what God has to say about a Christian then you would know that you can praise him because you are fearfully and wonderfully made according to Psalm 139 you would know that your identity is only complete if God's plan for you is in place and oh by the way God's plan for you is that you be saved and made a a new creation God's plan for you is that you would reclaim the glory that he created you in back in Genesis chapter 1 as he He created man and created him in his own image, in the image of God. He created him male and female. He created them. Be you in the creation that God ordained you to be. And that means you yield yourselves to the very fact that God has imprinted his very nature upon your conscience. He knits you together. God don't make no junk your self worth it's not in your physical abilities your mental cognitions it's in him the current situation that we're in as a country And the current situations that you find yourself in day to day doesn't create those issues that maybe you wrestle with. But they only expose the areas that we need to submit ourselves. That we need to yield ourselves to that counsel of the word. That we need to yield ourselves to the counsel of others. That we need to yield ourselves to the fact that God, you're true. I said it earlier truth is truth and everything outside of that is a lie and when we start yielding ourselves to the counsel of God's word and we start yielding ourselves to the growth and the work that he's doing to shape and form us knowing he knit us together and that he's bringing something glorious out of it and when we start yielding ourselves to that then we can Begin to believe the truth, and everything that falls outside of the parameters of that truth, we can discard and discredit and say it's not going to change me through this distraction. Because God is true. And let every man outside of that be a liar. What was the worst issue that we've had that God has dealt with? I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore oh that sin that was taking me away that sin that was destroying me that sin that was a distraction from eternal glory that sin that was a disruption from the walk of God with me in my life that sin that alienated me as a stranger unto God he came and he dealt with it once and for all dying a sinner's death upon the cross of Calvary that my sin may be given to him and that his righteousness may be given to me and when I gave my sin to him by trusting in what he's done and he gave his righteousness to me because of the grace that he has shown what he actually did was he dealt with the biggest problem we will ever face and many of us say we trust him in that I'm going to heaven how do you know you're going to heaven? because he dealt with my sin You might not answer it like that. You might answer it because he forgave me, because he cleansed me, because he saved me. And those answers are all of the same accord. And that's why you know you're going to heaven. Well, my friends, if he dealt with your sin in such an overwhelming, victorious manner, then don't you think he'll deal with everything else you're going through? Everything else pales in comparison to eternal separation from God. And he says, I saved you. And I redeemed you. And he will deliver you to the truth today. Romans seven eighteen says, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. Don't you think God will deliver the truth to you today? You see, the finding is in the hands of God. And he takes you through the difficulty so that you may search, so that you may lean in closer. When we start getting on autopilot and start going our own way, we sometimes forget that we have a need for God. But oh, here comes the problem. And God says, I'm still right here. Come back to me. Romans 7, 24 through 25, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. Sin is more than a distraction. It's more than a dispute. It's more than a disruption in the life of the believer. It's a destruction that's designed to bring you to the fullness of salvation. Wait a minute, pastor, that seems paradoxical. You see, being saved is not just that you have a new relationship with Jesus. Being saved is that you also have a new relationship with sin. And you come to the point where Paul is and you look at yourself and do a self-evaluation and you say, "I'm, I'm undone. I'm unclean. I keep going down the same road. I keep sinning the same sin. I keep entering into the same compromise. I keep losing traction on the road of salvation and I don't know how to gain it. And after a while, you start to get sick and tired of that sin that you've been wrestling with and that's a good sign because God is starting to bring you to a point and place of brokenness where that sick and tired nature of yours says, God, I can't do it anymore. And God says, I've been waiting to hear that. Come to me and let me do it through you. You see, it's not just that you have a new relationship with Jesus. It's that you have a new relation of sin. What you once loved, what what you once coveted, what you once pursued, now you begin to hate and despise and you don't want that anymore. You see, even sin is utilized by God to bring destruction to yourself so that restoration can be governed by His hands. In all these matters, the question comes, are you going to trust God through the destructions and disputes and distractions through the despairs are you going to trust God and yield to his way or are you going to trust the way of the world what seems right to me I think I think what does God say because that's where trust truly can be given. Disputes are not designed to shape despair. They're designed to make us dig deeper into God's word and to find and firm up God's way in our lives. Through the counsel of his work, through the evidence of his word, would you trust God more in his way? If it, let me ask this question if it takes a pandemic, that might or might not be overstated by society. If it takes COVID-19 to bring people to the point of destruction in themselves, that they have to start relying more and more upon the presence and power of God in their life. If it takes a disease to actually have victims that are killed by this disease that brings people to a point where they question their own eternity if it takes quarantine to bring isolation to people that makes them get down on their knees and start searching for almighty God if it takes a government becoming tyrannical in the process and trying to take over people's rights that makes people yield themselves to the supreme leader of everything and that is God if It takes injustices walking through our streets in broad daylight and rampaging themselves on every street corner to make people say, we're not in control, but God, we know that you are. If it takes all this to make people yield to God, then is it worth it? I believe God's bringing his people back to himself. And all this that we're seeing is him shaping us to desire himself more than we did in our comfort and privilege. To desire his presence and to walk close hand in hand with him. Jeff, I'm going to ask you to find that George Beverly Shea song in your notes. I'm going to need it in just a second. Let me read to you Philippians chapter 3, verse 8. This is what Paul came to. He says, Yet indeed, I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. That I may gain popularity. That I may gain prestige. That I may gain persona. That I may gain professionalism. That I may gain politics. That I may gain... He says, all that stuff's rubbish. Dung is the real word. He says, I count all that I've had lost just that I may know Christ. If God uses all this stuff to bring a people unto Himself, then bring it on. Because that means that people will be yielding themselves to the truth and people will be walking in the integrity of their confession of faith more than probably we've seen in a long time because the dependency gets shifted from self to the presence of God. I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather be his than have riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than houses or lands. I'd rather be led by his nail-pierced hand than to be the king of a vast domain and be held in sin's dread sway. I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world affords today is that your heart let that be your plea father god we thank you for the fact that you are present that you have made yourself available and that father that that availability means that salvation is near and not only is salvation that I was saved but salvation is that I am being saved that you are doing a work in my life God to bring me more into the image of Christ than I otherwise would have been you're saving me from the ways of this world and you're presenting me unto the ways of glory you're doing that for every person that wears the name of Christ but oh God it also means that I will be saved that father god that that when death knocks on my door and my body breathes the last that is not the end of life for me but father you will usher me into your kingdom in heaven and i will not ever be separated from the presence of your glory anymore i have been saved i am being saved i will be saved and father may that Be what it's all about for us. For those who wear the name of Christ, that the distractions and the things of this world will not detour us from wanting you and more of you and more of you. May we yield ourselves to the counsel of the word and hold the truth in highest regard. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor Jeff, come lead us in song